Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 20, In the Hands of the Prophets, teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and directed by David Livingston. This episode aired on June 20th, 1993. This week on Deep Space Nine, Orthodox Bajorans object to secular teachings about the wormhole in the station's school, causing tensions between fundamentalists and the Starfleet crew. And joining us this week is friend of the pod, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I just, I absolutely cannot let anybody podcast without me. (laughs) (laughs) And we wouldn't want to. (laughs) Um, Can you share with the listeners how you got into Star Trek and maybe which Star Trek properties you've seen or want to see in the future? Yeah, of course. So, um... Of Star Trek properties, I have seen 20 episodes of Deep Space Nine. (laughs) (laughs) And I got into Deep Space Nine. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this podcast, The Pod Race. It's really great. (laughs) No, tell me more. Yeah, exactly. Tell me more. Um, So I have actually been watching every week with, I'm sorry, Matt, another Matt, and then... So we, oh. yeah, so we've been watching the episodes <laughs> together each week and then listening to your all's podcast and it's so fun. Hi, um, I think the secret is out that we are all um, in real life friends. And so I've told you guys this before that when I'm listening to your podcast, I'm like, I, it's so fun and it's such a unique experience to like hear my friends, my real true friends having conversations. And I'm like, wait, let me... <laughs> Let me say things. <laughs> That's how I feel whenever I'm not on Still Great, Bob. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crossover. Well, we're, we're happy you're here, Melissa. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, we, we made it through 20 episodes of Deep Space Nine, which means this is the end of season one. Elise, we've done a whole season of Deep Space Nine already. I can't believe it. I'm congratulations about. Thank you. I'm thinking about when you were still rewatching it last, and I was like very patiently, but also maybe not so patiently, waiting for you to finish so that we could start. And I can't believe so I could start again. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that it's been twenty episodes already. Nice. I can't believe I watch Star Trek now. I have to be honest, I can't believe you watch Star Trek now either. (laughs) I feel like I remember Elise and I have had this conversation once where I was just like, I don't know if like space things like work for me because um, I was, I'm not, uh, I'm a fan of Star Wars, but it's not one of my main fandoms even now, although I did rewatch all of the movies to get ready for uh, that one. You watched the fans, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Do you watch The Expanse? Yeah, so I was going to say that. Like, I watched The Expanse oh, and I, and I, I really, your story. really love it. Yeah, no, and then um, I recently just watched the two seasons of For All Mankind, and I really love that, too. So maybe I actually am into space, and I think that I'm just getting, like, more traditionally nerdy as I get older. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's... It's interesting that you mentioned For All Mankind, because that series is created by Ronald D. Moore, who 
folks will remember did the reboot of Battlestar Galactica helped adapt and was the show on the first couple seasons of Outlander mm-hmm. but he actually broke into kind of television writing and production on Star Trek The Next Generation and when Next Gen ended he moved over to write on Deep Space Nine oh. so you're gonna so eventually you're gonna get more more Star Trek, of course, because we've got six more seasons, but then uh, he ends up being one of the uh, kind of executive producers and one of the main kind of voices in the DS9 writer's room yep. once Next Gen ends and he moves over, I think starting in like season four. So yeah, you have that to look forward to. Yeah, that's exciting because I think that the writing on For All Mankind is like super excellent. I haven't seen that yet. I th- My dad watches that one. They um, do. Really so they, I think that... That is probably the most efficient storytelling that I can is it think of. Is it like an alternate history? Yes. Or something? Okay. It's like if the Russians actually won the space race and put someone on the moon first and that spurred the United States into furthering and like really getting into like developing nasa and so they're like oh you were the first on the moon we're gonna have the first base on the moon and then it escalates from there oh that sounds like really something i would like i'll have to check that out yeah it's and then um every like every like few episodes it just like jumps like you know five or ten years which sounds insane but they're so good at it it's like really amazing I actually really enjoy shows that have time jumps. Like, I find it fun to, like, especially when they do, because they did that in Outlander, but obviously that came from the books, and it, they really made it where you you really felt that 20 years or whatever went mm-hmm. by, so. Yeah, I find that so, I mean, I would recommend it. So now we've talked about the four space things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, I watched the YouTube original season called Origins because Tom Felton was in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was We're decent. Just learning more and more about your brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yes, because that one was a big secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, I guess, Elise, what were some of your initial thoughts on the episode? Um, first, this episode needs a trigger warning for terrorism um it was like a little i mean i had seen it before but it was a little like alarming the bombing and everything like that it's pretty Um, heavy like yeah for once or twice oh sorry you go no i was just gonna say like i was almost hesitant to like call it terrorism because I don't have, like, the strongest understanding of, like, how that word, like, intersects with our reality. And so I was like, I don't know if I should, like, label this. But then I saw it in the notes and I was like, yeah, I know things when I see them. (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, first of all, I think it got called terrorism in the episode. But I also feel like someone did something to scare people because of a political view Mm -hmm. and that feels very terrorism to me Mm -hmm. yeah it's like pretty heavy and like scary (laughs) like this is maybe the scariest episode so far of team space nine yeah because when the school bombing happens i was like there is no do we curse on this podcast 
We do. Yes, I we assume do. we do, but um, before I started in, I wanted to like. You know, get <laughs> I appreciate that yeah. you asked. I was, I was sitting here being like, there is no fucking way they have children in this school. Like this, this episode is not going to have kids in this school. Like it can't. Please, right. no. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that would be a little too much. And I feel also that the goal of, I mean, and we'll get into it later. The goal of doing this was not like to kill anyone. Yeah. Well, at least to not kill any of the children. Obviously that there was, um, you know, a murder plot at some point, but um, this was an episode that I actually did remember. Uh, I, our listeners will notice that, except for a duet last week, I very rarely remember the season one. Um, but I did for some reason think that this, I do remember like the plot at the end, but I for some reason thought it happened earlier in the season or earlier mm. in the show. So I was kind of happy to be like, okay, this is when that epi- that one episode I remember took place. I have enjoyed all 20 episodes. I mean, some are better than others, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say that I have I've I've very greatly enjoyed the experience of every single episode listening to the podcast and watching the show. Um, but these last two episodes of the season have been so good. Like I yeah. had tears in my eyes watching Duet. I texted you guys and I was like, okay, this is officially yeah. my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. So far I've seen 19. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so I was really excited when this episode was like also really excellent and like really deep and thought provoking. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, oh, okay. So like we're in it now and i haven't seen any of season two and there's a lot of episodes but i'm like i feel like they're making me think now which is exciting but also kind of intimidating because now there's a lot of episodes to bring things up for me to think about (laughs) yeah yeah and like and i think in like the last two and i know I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive brought up before, but like at times the first season feels like they, they're still figuring things out because it wasn't that long ago we had like Storyteller, which, you know, was the uh, the O'Brien. Wasn't that an episode smoke of Lost? Monster episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's also an um, episode of The Magicians, very specifically. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> yeah. Funny. Interesting. It's a show I keep hearing about that I haven't. I haven't watched yet. I tried um, it. I but, couldn't get into it, but I feel like it got. I've heard it was better after. I yeah, I um, I real, I respect that opinion. I won't try to convince you to watch it. I will just say <laughs> that it is one of my very favorite shows of all time. So if anybody is interested in watching and talking about it, I'm here. Matt, <laughs> <laughs> were you? But saying no, these something? last two episodes are really like DS Nine. I think flexing its muscles a little bit or starting to like it's kind of like that scene in like kill bill volume one where the bride like works to get the feeling back in her like toes again to Wiggle walk to drive, the, to drive the cart yeah mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like that's what it kind of like feels like and this is a little bit of like hindsight talking because like these lat duets and then um in the hands of the prophets are definitely like and we see some of these scenes even like in the pilot emissary but it's kind of like DS9 kind of flirting with and starting to do its own thing that is maybe like a little bit more kind of serialized in terms of like the storytelling and things like this. And what Next Gen was doing a lot at the time 
for their season finales was doing a two-parter like a cliffhanger done it since since season three so that you'd have the cliffhanger and then oh what's gonna happen and then come back kind of the next season what ds9 ends up doing is it's very much like they did in this episode where the plot is moved forward so it kind of has a cliffhanger but kind of not and it's not like the part one or part two thing so they're definitely playing with what the what the show is or what it could be and i i am into it yeah, and we were talking before we started recording, like, Voyager goes back to kind of doing the, those cliffhanger season finales. Like, I just finished season three, and season four was, like, the second part of that story. So you would have had to, before Netflix, you would have had to wait all summer to find out what happened next. So I really, really enjoyed this episode. Um, we meet Vedic Wynn for the first time, who's obviously shady as fuck from the get-go. Um, who just that... walks into a school? Shouldn't the door be locked? Like, do they... what yeah. if there's security for this? Is the nineties? <laughs> I mean, even in the nineties, as <laughs> I mean, even as someone who like was in school in the nineties, because I'm old, like. Y- Random people just, like, couldn't come in. But I feel like um, Vedic Wynn probably gets, like, free reign wherever she goes. Um, Yeah, I always love an episode with Bajoran or uh, Klingon politics. So it was nice to get two Bajoran episodes, like, in a row. And, you know, Cisco popped onto Bajor for, like, a hot minute. And so it was really nice to see how pretty Bajor is because I forget. Because we don't really see it. I don't remember seeing it that much over the course of, like, the seven seasons. So it's always a nice treat when you can, um, when you could see it. Um, and I also feel like this episode was the most religion that, like, we've had in an episode of Star Trek, like, up until this point. I know we've talked about it before how gene roddenberry didn't like religion and how it was not something that was often discussed unless it was about alien races so it was kind of interesting that this whole episode was about religion this episode is kind of about like the dangers of religion in a way yeah for sure or like doing things in the name of religion that are evil or like well and and Sorry, go ahead. No, Matt, you go ahead. This is your podcast. <laughs> no, but you're the, you're the guest. By all means, well, I was go just going to say that it's like, I don't even know that if they're, do, if they're doing these things, like, for the sake of actual religion, or if they are just using religion as a front to, like, make yeah. moves. Which is, like... That's fair. Worse? Because, yeah. Yeah, because it's clear that, um, that Vedic wins, like, doing this all for political gain in the end. Or it be, I would say it becomes clear. Like, I think once... Sorry, that's Cisco that's what goes, I meant to say. Like, I, I meant yeah, by okay. the end of the episode, it's clear. <clears throat> um, this is just, like, a random, random thought, but the line of the episode that really got me is... Because we didn't get a lot of quirk this episode, but I always appreciate when there's, like, a Quoto scene where Odo's, like, coming to quirk for information... <laughs> And he says about the Bajorans, Orthodox, in that case, I'll need twice as many Davo girls. I cracked up uh, at that. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I just, I, it's always like the, like, the, like, super religious folks that are, I'm going to offend someone here, but it's always like the super religious folks that have, like, 
you know, the most to hide of, like, the things that they like, I feel like. Or at least that's, like, the There's, trope. like, an extra yeah. level of repression there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're full of shame. Yes. How dare I like twice as many Dabo girls. Elise, set, set the stage for us a bit. How does the... What happens in kind of the, the intro or the first act? <laughs> so in the beginning of the episode before the theme... God created the heavens and the earth? Um, sure. So, Some so that's very pr- it's very appropriate for <laughs> <Right>. this episode. <laughs> um, I did... I, I like that opening scene where um, it's Keiko and Miles and... <laughs> he's like going for like a jumja stick which looks like a fun like icy like ice pop which i want one Um, although they kind of look like tongues but like really fat tongues but they still looked delicious i thought they looked like tongues too twins um they must have actually looked like like tongues (laughs) i i always feel like miles is categorizes Keiko as like being a little naggy towards him so it was kind of fun for me to see her like teasing him about his new employee Neela like saying like pretending like you know he liked her and everything like it was nice to see them just being like normal and not like because I I hate the like oh my wife's so annoying trope so much and I don't I don't mean to say that they do that all the time but like occasionally Miles like is he's like the one character that would like have a a line like that. And, I didn't even um, yeah, realize so... that that was his wife until we saw her teaching in the school and I apologized <laughs> to her but I had just completely forgotten like what she looked That's like okay. or anything she's about her. She's <laughs> not in that she's really like just um a recurring character. It's okay the writers forget about her too. Yeah, like oh. It's not she like I, yeah, like even like later on like she's like off world doing th- you know her own thing a lot of times. Um but yeah, so I really liked that scene of just them like teasing each other and Miles being like awkward and I don't know. Although he did realize later that he did kind of enjoy the attention he was getting from Neela cuz he was that one scene where he's kind of, like, talking himself down. I don't remember what he says, but he's, like... It's almost like he's saying, like, get it together. hmm Which I thought was funny. Do you think that she was doing that on purpose so that he wouldn't, like, be on to her? Oh, totally. Yeah. She seemed... Yeah, she was... I, like... She was definitely felt, flirting with him to, like, distract him. I felt, like, guilty about how suspect I thought that she was. Oh, but then, then I, I like I'm like I shouldn't because obviously they 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 make the filmmaking yeah. or like they make filmmaking choices to make you feel a certain type of way about things. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm sure that this girl is just out here trying to do her job. Mostly you don't need to malign her. <laughs> um, I don't think that the I always feel like someone's up to something on the on this show. Like they don't often have someone acting a certain way without reason. Mm-hmm. In yeah, it's experience. like pretty telegraphed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so as I said earlier, we we meet Vedic Win for the first time, um, who to me comes off as a religious fanatic right away. So that's fun. And and like Louise Fletcher's performance, Nurse Ratched herself. Um, I should classify the OG Nurse Ratchet, not uh, not Sarah Paulson. Um, I didn't. Just I so forgot good. that it, like existed the Sarah Paulson one. 
for what it's worth. <laughs> um, but she's so good at kind of, oh my child, like the way yeah. she like says my child, which like becomes one of Wins, um, Kai or uh, Vedic Wins, um, kind of go to phrases and just the way that it's like this real like saccharine yeah. like way of of her line oh, readings totally. where it's just way too sweet where it's like she's telling you to go fuck yourself but like you know is hiding it behind like this this kind of air of politeness and everything else it's just so yeah her performance is so good it's, yeah. it's very like to be anachronistic it's very um joffrey in game mm. of thrones oh um, yeah what's that actor's name like um, jack something jack right? leeson yeah, um, I don't. I pulled that out like, of my ass. I don't know how I remembered that. No, Jackie Gleason is in like the moon, like the honeymooners. Um, Isn't that oh, his name please. though? It is his name. It is his. Oh, name. it is his yeah. name. Yeah. I, oh yeah, I, it is Jack Gleason. Yeah. Sorry, Elise. <laughs> sorry, sorry to Jack Gleason and sh- sorry to Elise. I apologize. But I said like I don't know how I pulled that out of my ass. Like I don't remember how I remember that. <laughs> But yeah, it's really like you love to hate it performance. Oh, where it's totally! Like, like I hate it's her. It's fun to and watch, but like, yeah. yeah, she's so eerie to me. Yeah. Like she delivers everything so calmly, but what she's saying and her inflection are so threatening. Oh, yeah, like she says, like, oh, she'll recant or I won't be responsible for the consequences or like whatever. And I'm like, that is a straight up threat. Aren't you like a priest or some <laughs> shit? Uh, an orthodox one no less (laughs) um her whole reaction to keiko teaching um about the wormhole in a scientific way reminded me of this anthropology course i took at this um, community college that had like a really big religious population so like the first day the instructor had to make the statement like we're not here to debate evolution folks like if you want to do that go take this other class Mm. because we were um we were dating bones and stuff like that like learning how to do all that stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like if you're gonna sit here and debate whether all of this is like factual like you're gonna waste everyone's time so it kind of made me think of that well and it's like Mm, this is me judging how much I want to like accidentally dock my dox myself. Um, <laughs> there's just like something when there is huh, dox orthodox myself. Um, there's something really interesting about kind of like the psyche of any kind of like ideology, but specifically like you know in religious folks where there's like this need in a lot of people to justify their beliefs mm. in, and, like, to, like, like hashtag debate me, um, kind of, like, <laughs> unsolicited. And, like, even within um, different religious contexts as well. So, like, this episode is very kind of faith versus science and, like, do we talk about, like, creation in schools? No, we're going to bomb the abortion clinic. Yeah. Sort of, like, that was, yep. like, my kind of, like reading in the allegory and stuff there um but like what i'm thinking of is like i for a lot of my um secondary and a little bit of my like primary education i went to a a lutheran school right so we got 
a little bit of both. It's like kind of going to a Catholic school, but it was it was Lutheran, right? Um, I went to a Lutheran school uh, kindergarten through second grade. <laughs> I am a Methodist. <laughs> well, I was but, raised as a Methodist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in I remember in high school we had some. I think they were Dutch Reformed, like um, some pretty staunch Calvinists. Um, who started going to our school and I remember being in religion class and one of the students started arguing with the very Lutheran teacher who was a a, a Lutheran pastor's kid <laughs> coincidentally about like the idea of like predestination which is like which was something that was very which was doctrine in, in her upbringing and her faith tradition like the idea that ultimately God creates people to go to hell and I'm sorry if you're a you know a Calvinist or, you know, Dutch reformer or whatever. And I, and I'm misrepresenting, you know, your, your tradition. I do apologize. This is just a, my kind of high level understanding of it. And then again, that was just something that like, and the Lutheran tradition was like, no, no predestination isn't a thing. And then it just went back and forth. And it was like being in Elise's anthropology course with ostensibly two people in various Christian traditions. And it's just like, ugh, can we, can't we just like learn about other things? Please? Can we learn about bones, please? <laughs> Can we just learn about the wormhole? Um, but that was one of my favorite classes. Also, I should say, it was great. I think that teacher still is um, a mutual of mine on Twitter, but they don't post ever. And that was like two thousand and eight, so it's pretty. It's. Do they listen to the podcast? Um, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> we like haven't interacted in like ten years, probably. <clears throat> So this kind of jumps around because I kind of went by character um, in my notes. But like, so Wynn does not care about anyone or anything, in my opinion. She cares about her agenda and gaining power. Like at the end, later in the episode where Neela's either having, I don't know if she's having second thoughts about the reason why she's doing what she's doing but she's having second thoughts about the plan because she knows she's gonna get caught well she's definitely Um, having second thoughts about like dying for it yeah yeah but i mean like she was good when she thought she was escaping which like yeah yeah like so like she definitely so i think she like was convinced enough if anything to like want whatever the plan was supposed to do to happen but like Wynn is just so the prophets are calling on us to make these decisions and it's just so icky and it goes to what you were saying earlier Melissa like it's just doing things in the name of religion that like are just horrible and I like I think just to build off that a bit and I feel like I've like talked about this before but like there's the whole idea of like he, I mean, the show, like, we're talking about an alien religion and aliens, but it's written by humans on Earth, so that's what's, like, influencing, right. you know, their portrayal. And the fact that they're aliens is to, like, make Gene Rotten very happy, who's <laughs> dead at this point. So, you know, live up to his ethos. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, like, humanity are both meaning seekers and meaning creators, and the ways in which we kind of <clears throat> justify our actions to ourselves or convince ourselves to act a certain way or do a certain thing um, 
religion can be a big part of it, right? It's like someone who wants to work at the summer camp that they're going on because it's fun as opposed to finding a different job, which is more difficult. And it's like using whatever religious inclinations or that they have you're like oh i feel like i'm being led to work at that camp and like fair enough i'm not denying that that you don't feel that and that's not important but like there's an interesting thing that happens when you can kind of our brains are powerful things i guess (laughs) is what i'm trying to say right so the the question i want to explicitly pose to both of you is how much of her own perspective do you think Vedekwin believes like is she actually that orthodox or is that her like path to power and potentially being the next next space pope like (laughs) how like we've had a pretty cynical read on her yeah but I guess the question is how cynical does it does it go and then what do we think of and then in follow-up after that what do we think of Kira's reaction to what Wynn is saying I want to give her like some benefit of the doubt and say like oh, I think she's a true believer and she's doing this because she, like, really believes because it's not that I can, like, understand that, but I can have some empathy for that worldview. Um, Except for we don't know, like, what those beliefs are, you know? Like, she wants the prophets to be taught in school, but, like, why? I don't... There's no... We don't get to see any of, like, what those beliefs being instilled in the Bajoran children. Like, we don't know how that would actually affect their life. And so because of that, I'm like, none of this is real. It doesn't do anything. Right. Like, it's basically just your opinion. Right. It's like, I obviously, obviously, like, I am, like, just excessively you know pro-choice but when I when when religious people say to me that like they are anti-abortion because they like truly believe that you would be like damning yourself to get an abortion or you would be like damning the child or whatever like I don't believe any of that but that's a scary enough belief that I'm like I get where you're coming from because you have been traumatized by religion And so I have a lot of empathy for that, even though I think it's wrong. But saying, like, you have to believe in these prophets because you have to believe in the prophets, like, that doesn't do anything. Like, there's no fear associated with that. There's no benefits associated with it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Right. And I don't know that the show is ever going to get that deep with it. Right. To, like, have a... a Which, like, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not... Yeah, I don't mean to, like, say that to, like, shoot you down, because I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But, like... And I hate to bring this up, but, like, it's, like, when when Matt says, like, who's worse, like, an opportunist or a true believer, it just makes me think of, like, Trump Mm. and, like, you know. Mm -hmm. And, like, I really... I almost think the opportunist is a little is a little scarier mm-hmm. because they know they know that they're manipulating people. Yes, when and the they'll true manipulate is like further. maybe doing things more subconsciously or unconsciously. I don't know the right the correct. Word I think there. it's scarier because it's transparent. So 
to continue uh, with the Donald Trump thing, like <laughs> he was the most terrifying person on fucking earth because it's it was very clear what he was doing. It was very clear that it's very clear that he has no beliefs. It's very clear that he everything that he was doing was for his own personal gain. And yet it was still successful. And so that was scary on like so many levels. It was scary to watch people fall for it. And it was scary to watch him get away for, with it. But it was also just fucking scary to understand that there is like an actual human being that is uh, allegedly made of all of the same parts as me who could do this. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like the cog, Damn. the cognitive decision to manipulate in this way is like pretty fucking scary. <laughs> I co-sign that. <laughs> and to flip my own question on it on its head, like does <clears throat> if the out not to get too philosophical, <laughs> whatever, it's my podcast. We can go down this rabbit hole a bit and pull ourselves <laughs> out of it. But like at the end of the day it's an interesting question to discuss and that's why I asked it. But like does it matter? No. <laughs> <laughs> because the outcome yeah. is still the same. Like, you know yes, what I mean? totally. Like, mm-hmm. yep. You are right, Melissa. Before we get into um, Kira's reaction to what Win was saying, you had an interesting comment here about oh Wynn about how, yeah about Cisco. Yes. Like this conversation that he had with Wynn where he was she was talking about how she, he had he holds this like really important place in Bajoran spiritual life. And he says to her, like, I am not comfortable with that feels like mm-hmm. a really big thing to maybe like look at your spiritual system right. that they are like. Oh, I don't know if this is the right word, but I don't know another word. Matt, please help me. Like, they're, like, colonizing Cisco's experiences to, like, support their religion that he doesn't believe in. It's, like, super fucking weird and gross. I, the reason why I wanted you to talk about this is because this is something that gets, that we see for, like, the rest of the show. Like, Cisco, like, dealing with this. Interesting. You know? Okay. Well, that's like cool his, because this yeah. it, it wasn't touched on that much in this episode, but I mean, I put it in the notes, so it did stay with me. Right. So yeah. I, I mean, am, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, that yeah. comes up again and again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It's definitely, like, some kind of, like, assumptive, like, <clears throat> like, overt... I don't even know if it's, like, evangelism. Um... <clears throat> Sorry, my, my throat's dry. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's like colonizing him in the same way, but it's kind of like evangelizing, but like expectation. Like, it's definitely like a boundaries issue for sure. Um, and I think it's like a boundary issue on a couple different levels for like Cisco personally. I'm sure for the Federation, which is our nice kind of secular humanists, aren't aren't super into one of their officers being considered like, you know, as a religious figure in an alien religion and all this stuff. And like, there's even that conversation of like, with all this religious orthodoxy is Bejar even able to join the Federation, 
which I thought was kind of interesting. So there's no room for religion within the Federation? Like, that's not very, like... It's it's almost like... Kind of like is the Federation Space France, where like <laughs> you're so secular that you're gonna end up being like discriminatory against mm, certain religions yes. that are outside of like mm-hmm. your own like faith tradition, right? Um, Quebec's even like that too. Oh, but, really? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like Catholic stuff's okay, but like, yeah. God forbid you work in the public service and, <laughs> and wear an, wear a <clears throat> headscarf. Um, I knew that Catholicism would be the one that was okay and i think i only and it's not that they're catholic anymore it's yeah. just that like that's their yeah. cultural i feel truth. like i feel like my knowledge of that comes from outlander <laughs> which we mentioned <laughs> before but in season two when they're in france etc etc anyway <clears throat> well that's the the stewards were yes catholics yes so. that's the plot line that i'm referring to no um i stopped watching outlander in the second season i was like i like tapped out there's like anyways yeah this is we're not an outlander podcast (laughs) that's fine yeah completely valid um although i do catch myself and especially i've been doing this weekend for some reason just walking around the house going craig nadine because it's fun to say yeah i will cop to that (laughs) craig nadine um i am only going to not make fun of you because I'm pretty sure that your family is historically Scottish. <laughs> yeah, but that accent wasn't. No, so. I know. But I'll still let you. Uh, me, who's not Scottish, is going to give you permission to, to do that accent. <laughs> so this, so I assume when you asked us about Kira, you were kind of referring to the scene where Keiko is talking to... I mean, Kira has reactions throughout the episode, but like, there's an early se- early scene where Keiko is, you know, talking to Cisco about Wynn coming in, and then Kira kind of pops in, um, and says like she has my support, and obviously this is before we know that like, you know, Wynn's like really shitty <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh, but it reminded it reminded that scene where Keiko's like, you can't possibly believe that me teaching this science is is um, I forget how she phrases it, but basically like is bad. Or you know, she uses her own words, mm-hmm. and um, it reminds me of like every time in my life where I was surprised that someone didn't have the same opinion of, as me on something that I found important, like reproductive rights like we talked about earlier or civil rights or like even like gay marriage and stuff like that like I remember when gay marriage was legalized I was like so excited and every like I said something to someone around me and they're like okay (laughs) and it just being like how can you not care about this Mm -hmm. like obviously there's other things to care about but like it was so important to me, so it was, like, wild mm-hmm. that someone I, like, interacted with, like, just, I didn't care. I mean, it was, like, a coworker, so it wasn't, like, someone I knew really, like, super personally, but, like, I remember being, like, oh, okay, I really should, like, maybe pay attention more to, like, <laughs> what people are uh, thinking. But, um, I also felt, like, Kira was doing that thing where they like try to 
take your science and twist it and act like it's another opinion, kind of. Like, she was, like, calling what Keiko was teaching, like, another kind of philosophy. And I just felt like that felt very... Um, yeah, if there's no religion in your science that makes it philosophy, which is basically just like, I guess yeah. I shouldn't like disparage philosophy, but like opinions, essentially, like that shit was so weird. Yeah, it made me like almost audibly angry at Kira. But I mm-hmm. I mean, I, I forget from time to time that Kira is a religious person, you know, like she follows her faith. And so she she would be my one friend that I would be like. Your anti-choice? Like, I feel like that would be Kira. <laughs> uh, this is two episodes in a row that I have been, like, very personally distressed by Kira's stance. Right. Because I go, I mean, Kira and I both go on a whole entire roller coaster in duet. And that gets <laughs> resolved. And I was like, all right, we're here. And then in this episode, Kira is like, oh, yeah, like basically insinuating that she's about to call out of work if like this doesn't get resolved in religion's favor. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I was trying to think while I was watching the episode if there was like a good alternative. And I feel like just do what we did growing up. Everyone goes to the secular school, and then you can just have, like, your after... You can have your Hebrew school afterwards. Yeah, it's called friggin' Sunday school. We've all done it. Yeah. Wednesdays and Sundays for the formative years of our lives. (laughs) I was Tuesday, Thursday... I was Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Okay. Okay. For sure. (laughs) But, yeah, like, just have a religious school afterwards. Like, that would just solve everything. These kids, they could go to youth group, and they could go to choir practice, and then they could go to Sunday school after the church service, and you get a good salad four hours of religious Mm -hmm. indoctrination. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Could, growing up, could your parents opt you out of sex ed? Um, and go and do something else while the class learned about like, I think so but I also have to say yeah. that both of my parents were on the school board for my entire life so like they never would have done that because they like yeah. appro- you know approved of that kind of thing I think that my parents probably could have but they never would have because I went to such a small school that would it would have been a huge public ordeal um right there was only did like, you go to... no sorry go did ahead. you go to public school i went to a public school but it was a tri-county school so okay. we have there like, were... regional schools here yeah there was between like 60 and 70 kids in my grade any given year oh, but wow. it was everybody from like the two hours surrounding my hometown got it i graduated um, in a class of wait for it 420 students yeah, that's bigger um, than my entire high school. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I always, but I'm still just, I'm just, I'm also making a weed joke. Um, oh, holla. I didn't catch it. How embarrassing. I, I'm like, I was like a little disappointed. Um, but yeah, so like we had a huge, um, we had a huge school, but also we had a really cool, just to get into this really quick. We had this really cool program called High Tops where some of the kids, like the seniors could 
learn how to teach sex ed. And so it was often, I mean, with teacher supervision. So like my sister did this. And so she was actually teaching some of the sex ed classes to the other students. That's so helped interesting and cool yeah and it was like it was like a nonprofit in Princeton I don't know if they're still there but I did a different thing like I did like a peer leader thing instead but um it was like uh, really cool because honestly like especially in high school like who wants I don't know it's just like the whole idea of like sitting listening to this like random adult telling you all this stuff really sucks sometimes but my sex education was abstinence only Oh, no, we had, like, I mean, ours, Um, yeah, ours was So there was, like, no reason to have me out because (laughs) they weren't teaching me anything. Oh, that's Um, Not that my parents would have done that. Like, my parents are very reasonable. No, I understand. (laughs) Yeah, we Um, had, like, a pretty dynamic for the 90s. I mean, it wasn't, like, they taught nothing about, like, if people are queer or anything. Like, none of that was discussed. I will also say. Like, I learned about STIs and birth control. Oh, in God, school, no. for sure. <laughs> um, my, so I, I, I mentioned earlier that I went to a Lutheran school kindergarten through second grade. And actually, my Lutheran school did sex ed in for the second kids grade. Or for yes. Le- wow. In second grade. They sent this book home what with my mom that? and told her to read That's it with me. The... Wow. It had drawings. Like, when I tell you guys that I was, like, terrified and seven-year-old aroused, like, it was... I'm not going to say traumatizing, but, like, it it doesn't feel like it was normal. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. I remember, like, the little, like, illustrations in that book and talking to them talking about, like, oh, and then the the people take off their pajamas and me being, like, I'm seven. So I'm, like, oh, I'm titillated, but I'm terrified. Like, (laughs) I feel like when we were younger, they just did, like, anatomy for us. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it was, like, health. Like, more like health. Like, they, they separated the boys and the girls, I think, in sixth grade. So, we were, like, 12 to, like, talk about. We, we learned about periods. And who knows? The, the boys probably learned about wet dreams or something. Because I feel like they might have explained all they of They would learn about their just, pleasure in school. Yeah. And, and we get to learn about, you know... Um, I feel like they separated us, but still told us the same information, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It was, like, very, um, like, clinical. Like, to be honest, I don't remember the sex ed right. class. I just remember the book. Um, yeah. But it was very, like, matter of fact. And it was very much, like, boy and girl married. <laughs> purposeful <laughs> I, I think my favorite part was learning about a female condom and then never seeing one ever again in my entire life and this is a myth to me I <laughs> I've never it seen proof that this like, item it, exists so it's like a condom but like the end of it looks like um like a nuva ring if you've ever seen one I used to use that birth control oh yeah so it, like okay. So, like, the nuvering is supposed to, like, go around your... We're very medical over here. Like, it goes around your cervix, so it kind of holds the condom up. Or whatever. <laughs> like, and then... Oh, I get it. Okay. So, it's, like, a longer... Yeah. Like, soft disc for yeah. any period havers who use the item. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I said female condom because that's what it was called back then. I don't... I yeah, vagina, 
condom. A vagina condom, yes. But yeah, I never saw one like in the wild ever. Right. A diaphragm? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen one of those in the wild. We love birth control, don't we? All day, every day. Well, it's once a day. This is a pro-family. This is a pro-sexual health, pro-family planning podcast. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like it. my permanent birth control the, the most. Anyway. Um, you asked us about what we thought about how Kira reacted, but I wanted to hear what you thought of that. How do I feel about it next? Um, <laughs> Kira, Kira struck me, and we know before that, like, her faith is very, like, important to her, right? But she's never, like, struck me as someone who's been particularly orthodox on anything except Cardassian's bad, which, I mean, she has, I think, more of a holistic view of after Duet last week. Um, but not particularly, like, orthodox and like i'm just wondering and i'm going back to like battle lines and this whole conversation with kayapaka about forgiveness and everything else that it's like is this something that kira's trying to put on like as she like reconstructs and discovers who she is after the occupation and now on deep space nine and you know her political perspectives on the relationship between the Federation and Bajor and things like that. Like, is she kind of flirting with orthodoxy here? Is it something she hasn't figured out where, like, her line is for this in terms of her faith? Or is it, like, she one of those people that would, like, identify, like, on a dating app as a moderate, and then because she does have that religious background, is religious as part of that religious tradition, when you have someone who's further right or more kind of orthodox she's more susceptible to some of those like talking points as cynical as we find out that they they are for win to kind of get get a, sh- a shot at to assassinate another priest who might be the space pope instead of her um so yeah it's just kira's like in this this mode of i think identity reconstruction mm. and i don't know if she's gonna go through like a faith deconstruction right. but like because her faith is such an important part of her identity, it's like she's trying to I think kind of what are her expectations for herself? What are her like cultural expectations? That's where I arrived at it, so I would be less mad at her. So maybe I'm just doing mental gymnastics because <laughs> like a fave. I want I I yeah, I do wonder if she's like just trying it on or like you said, she's like kinda in the middle and so she's like, All right, well that doesn't sound like a horrible idea about some of um wins thoughts but i also am curious because i don't remember like obviously i know kira but i don't remember similar to season one i don't remember season two that much but i wonder if like she's gonna be more cynical towards religion because of how when acted like in the future like i don't remember what happened so i'm kind of curious to see like how she if there's things that she says or does in the future that are because of this experience. I just don't remember. Yeah. I yeah, we'll have to. I think I, I think now we can talk about Jake's criticism. <laughs> 
So I, t- I felt like Jake was doing, like, the atheist criticism. Like, um, this is all nonsense, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I also feel like his comments were really just a vehicle so that Ben looked more measured in his reply or in his thoughts about right. what's going on. Um, like, he... You know, Benjamin says, like, their beliefs aren't wrong. They're just different. But I do think, like, just because they're not wrong, because it's a religion, that doesn't mean they have place in a federation school. Like a separation of church and state kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that whole conversation about, like, well, maybe we need two schools. Like, like where um, Vedekwin's coming at it from a total, like, bad faith perspective. Where it's like, oh, I'm trying to be reasonable. Um, and that idea kind of, like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, the Albertan context and, like, the Canadian context, too, where we have a we have a public and a separate school board system that are both publicly funded. Um, oh, the separate being the Catholic school system. And, like, the idea was it started as, like, a language thing when the the West was, was, was colonized, where it's, like, you had English-language schools and French-language schools, but it basically it ends up being the Catholic Church gets public dollars to run a, like, parallel, separate education system mm. that started based on like a having two distinct languages but because of the close tie between french culture and catholicism um second time this has come up on this podcast yeah i was i was thinking this sounds familiar i remember you expl- trying to explain the two school boards and me being like that's confusing <laughs> yeah so any, anytime there's like a census the census take a last, like which school system you support and then, like, your tax dollars, like, theoretically then get funded to whichever, like, school board system. But it's, like, kind of messed up that, like, there's a publicly funded system of schools in Alberta that is run by, like, the Catholic diocese with public dollars. Yeah. It's kind of messed I up. I don't like it. Mm-mm. Nope. We do I not love, like it. I love separation of church and state so much. It's one of yeah, my favorite to be honest, I would love to see more world. of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I also am, like, a Jewish atheist. So, a lot of the times when there is religion in schools, it's not the religion I was brought up mm-hmm. with. So, it has nothing to do with me, and it's there's nothing for me there. I'm pretty sure that I'm, like... That annoying person that is like, I'm spiritual, not religious. Um, because some <laughs> well, of the at least com- you admitted that those people are annoying. I'm just yes. kidding. Well, and it's like some of the comforts of my religious upbringing, like, haven't left me. But everything about organized religion is like a football field away from anything I would ever be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I- I'm making like a, a stick your finger in your mouth vomit face about yeah organized religion right now yeah uh, it's so funny i I've, i know i've talked to matt about this before like in general but i think about like atheism or lack of religion 
or agnostic or anything. Because I, I, I say I'm atheist, but I also, like, don't want anything to do with the people that are, like, really nasty atheist people. Mm-hmm. Um, who, no offense, are usually former Christian people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like, my point is I feel like my experience with getting to I don't believe any of this is mm-hmm. very different. And I feel... I don't really know what the point of what I'm trying to say is. I just feel like we live in a very Christian world. And yeah. Yeah. That's very harmful to us all. But that's my thing. Like, I want to keep the comforting parts of like what I understand as faith and like leave all of the shame and all of the judgment. Like, not. one ounce of it do I want (laughs) yeah I feel like that's the other thing like I don't feel like I grew up with a lot with like shame like that Mm -hmm. like that was something that wasn't in my religion um you know there's always like the Jewish mother's guilt about like you don't call enough blah blah Mm -hmm. blah whatever but like they don't there wasn't really shame about actions like we didn't talk about sin in the same mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. so and there's not as much like purity culture yeah but I do think that I know a lot of Jewish people that may may or may not believe in God but are there for the community aspect of it mm-hmm. so while you f- have your spirituality these other people may be in it for the community so there, there's definitely reasons to be in religion that are mm-hmm. not the actual like God part that are, you know, and those are all valid. You're valid, Melissa. It's that meaning-seeking and meaning-creator thing, right? Yeah. Like, and the idea that we are social beings, right? And, like, that's... Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. <clears throat> What did everyone think about Ben's speech when he was t- basically telling Win um, off and saying, like, the people that we've been working with and living here with for the last seven months know that we're not the enemy? I feel like in the moment when he was giving the speech, I wasn't sure whether he actually had the support of the people at that time because mm-hmm. a lot hadn't. You know, the whole ending hadn't happened yet, but I I really did like that speech. I hope it was heartwarming to people. I thought that it was heartwarming. I, um, I'm glad that it came back at the end because it is kind of, like, anticlimactic in the moment. Right. I mean, the speeches, the scene is definitely, like, intense, but... yeah. Because that was after was that that was after the bombing, right? I think I was remembering it as yeah. right before. I think but, so. Yeah, I mean, in any case, it's well, like I tensions think was, were very high. Yeah, I think he went to the scene where the bombing was. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that sounds right. Can we talk about how Vedic Burial is like kind of cute for the nineties? <laughs> I thought that he I didn't was think so at first. I didn't think at first when he was in the garden, but when he was came, when he was on the, um, on whatever shuttle to like 
Doc at Deep Space Nine and his hair was like a little bit more pushed back. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's cute. So obviously we've said that I've said this before. I'm not Christian, but it's but like he gave off real like hip youth hip youth pastor vibes to me. Mm. I'm sure you have more to say on this, but like, am I off base here? <laughs> Uh, not, not totally. I think it's just more kind of, like, young, like, cool pastor, like, hey, that's okay. <laughs> you can swear. And, like, oh, yeah, I like this movie that the old people don't want the kids to watch. And, like, mm-hmm. you've yeah. all seen The Americans, right? Yeah, he really reminds me <laughs> oh, yeah, of sure. Pastor Tim from The Americans, which to say that, like, he's sort of boring, does, says and does the odd cool thing. All while having the personality <laughs> of a potato. I just remembered this. I didn't remember it when I was writing my notes, but like it kind of reminds me of um, the rabbi that we had at my synagogue. Not during my bat mitzvah, but like the one for my sister's bat mitzvah. He was like really into like Rocky and Bullwinkle, and he had like <laughs> Rocky and Bull- Bullwinkle socks. I-, I think he was from somewhere in the Midwest. Um, but he was, like, a huge hockey fan, too. I don't remember if he was Canadian or from the Midwest. I mean, same difference, really. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But, like, I just remember everyone thinking he was very cool. It was the 90s, I mean, or, like, the early 2000s. Hockey was very big. But, yeah. It was, like... Well, those would be, like... Yeah, those are yeah, like yeah. Whose whose jersey I used to yeah, have actually? Yeah. or Stevens. Mm-hmm. Bruders. I guess yeah, Nelson Niemeyer yeah. was still there. Too, um, right? we used to have partial season yeah. tickets to the Devils, so we would go to games all the time. But like, my yeah, my dad and I were huge fans, and now like I can't even think of the last time either of us watched a hockey game. But yeah, they just got too expensive also to go. But yeah, I loved it. Yeah. We went to the Hockey Hall of Fame once. Not to, uh... <laughs> I took a picture yeah, with the Stanley Cup. So I was going to say, after being very Canadian <laughs> well, for a for second, what it's worth, it's I on... went very bad Canadian. Well, I've, to be fair, it's Hall on thing. you know my side of the continent, not yours. But yeah. I felt like um, everything that Wynn and Bright, I still can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Varile, thank you. I felt like everything they were doing in the episode felt like publicity stunts. Like that conversation where Varile is coming to Deep Space Nine and talking with um, Cisco on the, like, whatever they call it. <laughs> um, I almost feel like they're like, wink wink I'm gonna come help you and then he was like oh I can help you pick up the debris from (laughs) like it just reminded me of like a president going to like a like post like hurricane to like see how the people are doing um pick up some trash off the ground like publicity stunt where they were like let's bring in the news van no I can definitely see that (laughs) <laughs> makes it makes him look like a caring person etc cetera, etc cetera. um 
did you guys want to even talk about like what happens at the end with like the plot because I don't know that that's even really needed I mean yeah I don't (laughs) no I was gonna say that it's like the plot itself is not really that important it's like how the characters our characters are like experiencing yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um I think that like I think in terms of like it being the season finale like I think the plot points that matter going forward is we've picked up that like hey yeah we left the space pope on that moon with um the Noel Ellis the Noel with uh, <laughs> the Jonathan Banks yeah and the Ellis yeah. Ellis and the Noel Ellis she's she the space pope's hanging out <laughs> with Jonathan Banks um and so we need a new space pope this whole it's idea of this race. plot sorry with the school and, um is because Vedic Wynn is ambitious. Beryl's expected to be the next Pope because he's a moderate, the next Kai. And basically, Wynn en- engineered, Vedic Wynn engineered this whole drama to get Nero, who we spoke about before, to, as Nila, sorry, to assassinate Beryl. Um, those are the big things. And yes. they killed a guy along the way. <laughs> but the the yeah. space pope yeah i just i, think I was are, looking in the, the notes and we never really mentioned what happened forward. so i was like we should probably just decide whether to say it or not say it yeah um one thing i really liked about this is how it really felt like a circle from the pilot you know, we started off the season where Kira really didn't want Cisco or the Federation at Deep Space Nine. Um, you know, she was really hesitant for a long time. Um, and it was nice to see her have that final scene with Cisco where she says, you know, I don't think you're the devil or, you know, and just it felt like, okay, the first season was us working through our disagreement and then it feels like going forward we we know we're on the same team yeah i really liked all their moments at the end of the episode um and it it felt like a nice season finale like even though these episodes are pretty self-contained it was like yeah this really is about like cisco and kara figuring out how to do this thing together but I really loved her saying like oh I haven't seen okay in what seems like years and I'm like there's so many episodes of the show coming so like all I can hope for is this point is that like when we are done with this we have spent a lot of time with like a happy and healthy and content Kira who has like found (laughs) her place where she is whether that's like in or with the Federation or like however it shakes out I just like hate to think that she hasn't been okay in this long like it's that's heavy stuff yeah Mm. yeah we love Kira even when she's being anti-choice or whatever the analogy Mm. is Mm -hmm. (laughs) creationist do either of you have anything else to add about the episode before we go into our usual segments? I don't think so. Oh, sorry. Well, I'm going to 
I'm gonna put you on the spot. No, no, all, all good. I'm gonna put Melissa on the spot, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask if uh, Melissa, if you're uh, going to oh yeah, of course, along for season two. How, how did you feel about the season it's, overall? I liked it. Like, um, I know you said lot, you liked it, but yeah, yeah. it's a lot different. Um, it's a lot different than any of the TV that I'm currently watching. Like the way that these episodes are kind of self-contained like that. And it's, is that not serialized? Is that Episodic. how those wor- yeah. words work? Episodic. Um, yeah. And I don't watch a lot of TV like that. So it is kind of nice to like sit down and watch a thing and like, just know it's going to be resolved. <laughs> it's really fun. Right. <laughs> I think Star Trek is one of the only things that I currently watch. Like that's, episodic like that and as i mean we've said this but later seasons of deep space nine do become more serialized Mm -hmm. and i like that too and so when that happens i will be really interested in that but for now it's like such a unique experience yeah it is nice to like like i've been i've been slowly re-watching the original series and like it's nice to watch like an episode or two and not feel like okay, I need to keep going. And I don't mean Mm -hmm. that in a negative way, but like sometimes when I'm watching something that's serialized, it's hard for me to put it down and then I don't sleep very well, et cetera, et cetera. So it's nice to like, okay, I watched that one. Yeah, when you do yeah. need to take a break, you're like, I don't remember what happened. Like, I need to go back and rewatch an episode. Yeah, totally. That happens every time I binge something that's like on Netflix where it's like, I watched it in five seconds. Like, it took mm-hmm. me till halfway through season two of Never Have I Ever to, like, remember what happened in season one. <laughs> yeah. Because I watched it so quickly. Yeah, well, I don't know about, about you folks, but uh, my throat's been a little dry through this podcast. Listeners have probably heard me, you know, taking some, some drinks of my water, but it's just not not quite cutting it. I am really, really thirsty. I need some of that sweet Altair water thirst quencher. So who are we thirsting for this week on Deep Space? Melissa, why don't you go first? Um, I was really into Cisco when he like tells Wynn that he is holding her responsible for what happened at the school. Like, yeah. hey lady, your rhetoric did this. We ain't playing. And I was like, hell yeah, Cisco. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, he's just, like, hot in general. Like, I feel like we don't get a lot of Cisco in our thirst quencher unless Anya's on. So I'm really excited that you you picked him. Although I do think I picked him in the pilot because of the bathing suit that he was wearing. (laughs) So I picked two people for my thirst quencher and they're married. So now I'm like, do I really just want to throuple with them? It's possible. (laughs) So I'm standing Keiko because she is standing up for science and the separation of church and state, which are things I love. But I also love when Miles is upset because that Jumba stick guy wouldn't sell to them anymore because he was like being prejudiced against them because of all of this. And he like grabbed a guy by the shirt and was like ready to punch him until... And said, yeah. make my gay wedding cake. <laughs> Sorry, um, and that, yeah. So, like, that was hot. And then, like, so he backs off a little and Keiko, like, tries to make him, like, walk away. And then he kind of turns around again. Like, he wants us to fight him still. So I was kind of just, like, 
Yeah, I think I just want to bang both of them in this episode. Oh. I'm into it. Yeah. Matt? <sighs> yeah, no. You know what? I mean, I did. we mentioned the, the Quark and Odo scene earlier, and there was, like, a shared intimacy there. So that'll be that'll be my, my nominee for Quoto's this Odo's, like, a staple in my mind <laughs> of in the Thirst Quencher section. Like, it's always there, lingering. We love it. So, Matt, what would you say is the most Star Trek thing of the episode? Oh, I am really putting me on. I had one that I forgot to write down. Now I forgot <laughs> it. So let's go to Melissa first. I don't about. know what Star Trek things are. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I do have a comment about one of Elise's Star Trek things that she put in the notes. <laughs> All right, I'll just go then. I was trying to, like, I felt like I was very chatty this episode, and I was trying to, like, not have be the, because I'm always, like, the first to go in all the things, mostly because I'm in Aries, but, um, I was trying to not do that, but then I realized, like, I was the only one that had, like, stuffed. <laughs> um, so my first one would be Miles saying, what would Tritanium be doing here? Like, of course, there's some fucking random element or substance that's, like, negatively, negatively affecting the station. And it's, like, something that I don't think I've ever heard of. And I don't know that we ever hear about it again. Yeah, especially because um, on, like, some shows, a line like that would be, like, cluing the audience into something because the audience would already know, like, the reasons Tritanium right. would be doing there. But in Star Trek, I guess it's just like, ah, oh, whatever, these words aren't real. Yeah. They always have something. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm some sure. people But they always, know, you know, they have all the eums, uh, like, say, lithium, although I know what that one is. But, um, yeah, I think my really, my real number one most Star Trek thing of the episode was that I kind of semi-tuned out the who killed Aquino part of the episode. Like, I just didn't care. <laughs> Not that I didn't care, but, like, I knew that the other parts of the episode were more important. Uh, because you guys talk about A plot and B plot sometimes on this podcast, I was like, waiting to see if I could figure out which one's the A-plot and which one's the B-plot, and then they, like, connected, and I was like, oh, I don't even get to do the thing. Um, <laughs> but this, like, who killed the, like, the semi, like, random tech in the space station mystery is, like, a very specific plot that also happens in The Expanse, and because of that, it was pretty fun, because I was like, oh, I recognize this as a space station <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this, I mean, I guess that would be the B plot of the episode, but it was so, mi it felt so minor compared to And it to ends up, like, really actually being connected, so. Yeah, a lot of times they are connected, I think. But, yeah. <sighs> Does anyone have anything else to say before we wrap it up? And I don't have a most Star Trek moments. I couldn't couldn't think of one. Think y'all covered it. So, 
I, I think I'm good. I just wanted to again thank thank Melissa for for coming on. Oh, this is thank been, you yeah, so much. It really you're a delightful been. guest. Oh, thank you so much. I will come back anytime. <laughs> I love that. It's just nice to hear your voice. Also, my friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Well, Melissa, if folks wanted to find more of you. Oh, sure. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mellow Yellow, which has two L's and two O's. And you can find me co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast, which I do um, with our friend Jarrett. And he... I don't know why I was going to talk about him more, but we are talking about <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about the 2000s horror movie May on our most recent episode that will be coming out soon. And then I don't even have to plug the other podcast I do because I know that Matt will do it. She's giving you more work. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Yeah, you can find Melissa and I together talking about Mad Men Season 4 on our Mad Men podcast, Still Great Bob. And you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd and at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you can find our show on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-E. HS, and you can also email us at podrates at gmail.com. As always, please rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice. Thank you once again to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, we'll see you in season two, computer and program. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>